Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Lightning Round Podcast. You got me, Jamie. I'm here with Craig. You Yo. can see we do not have Garrett today. He's on the courts coaching his son. So it's just the two of us, but we got plenty to talk about with the Joe Hortiz interview or uh, press conference today. So, Craig, everybody, what do you want to talk about? I don't know, man. It's just so much to choose from. Let's start with the fact that this is a complete 180 from everything we're accustomed to uh, when it comes to the Chargers, whether it be leadership or direction. You talk about a guy who stepped in front of a mic, and though he seemed very nervous to start, I think he held his own very well, very much so. Um, he's He immediately came off as more personable, relatable, and likable than some people we've dealt with here in the past. And again, though he was ner- nervous, he was much more, I would say, direct and concise, very cogent. Uh, nowhere near as uptight also is what we're accustomed to, but just stating his goal very clearly goals, um, the way the team's going to communicate from the top down, how things are going to cascade. And I think we're going to talk more in detail about all the specifics, but overall, I think the guy did a great job for someone who doesn't necessarily want to be in front of a mic. Um, he had a little bit of the ball guy sweats, which I can, uh, definitely relate to when you're under some hot lights, man, and you don't have any hair on the dome, it comes streaming down but he came prepared he had the towel and everything so good on him uh but he did calm it down and it felt a lot more natural battery fully charged thank you i didn't need that um (laughs) but anyway but he was definitely (laughs) yeah absolutely can you tell uh but yeah he definitely did everything he needed to do and more um for someone that i've actually never really heard talk other than some of the videos that i went back and did and researched on him here in the past when i was learning more about him i mean he was my first selection so i had to go back and dig a little bit deeper 
um, for an opening presser, I was rather impressed with everything that he said and what he wants to bring to the table. So uh, tell me a little bit more about what you thought. Yeah, I thought he did a really good job. I think, you know, there were some key takeaways for me. Uh, one was he talked about uh, a lot about churning the bottom of the roster, churning the practice squad, uh, things that we've been begging for for years. It seems like for most of the last, I don't know, 12 years, maybe 20 years, <laughs> uh, the practice squad is the same almost every year. There's no real effort to turn things over, or add people to it or or improve it. Um and the bottom of the roster, usually with the exception of maybe a couple of spots here or there, is almost always the same. And what do you know? The team never has depth. So he talked about uh, you know players being their most valuable asset. He talked about churning spots, always looking to improve. Um, you know, the goal should always be for any NFL organization is to um, elevate the bottom of the roster more towards the middle of the roster, and then replenish the bottom of the roster. Um, and that's something the Chargers have struggled with since forever. So just the fact that they're acknowledging that and they're talking about that being a priority, I think, is a really big deal. And he talked about finding players who, you know, obviously the old cliches, big, strong, fast, tough, smart. I think those were the five adjectives he used. But then he added on to it and said, we want players who are committed to team. Mm -hmm. Players who are going to play hard, whether they're up 30 or whether they're down 30, maybe a little little bit of a dig at the previous regime. Um, but people who are there to fight for each other, yeah. who are there to fight for the team, which is something the Chargers haven't had. I think those are two you know, really big takeaways. And I know there was another point that I'm sure you're going to get to here in a minute where he talked about um, you know, always looking to improve and comp picks and what that mm-hmm. means moving forward. And actually, just to tack on a little bit to what you were saying there about some of those cliches, interestingly enough, typically big, fast and tough seem like something you would generally expect from a football team and the players. But honestly, are the Chargers a big team? No. Are they fast? Not really. And are they tough? (laughs) So, yeah, for every other team or most others, yeah, it would seem pretty cliche. But I think that you know he hit the nails on the head. Uh, He got all the keys and talking about being committed to team definitely speaks to, I think, specific players on the roster. So there's not going to be any more self-serving. Uh, you know, I don't think they're going to tolerate players throwing hissy fits in the middle of games, taking their helmets off, tossing them on the ground and having the coach hand it back to them. I don't foresee any of that happening in the future. What are you anymore. talking about? <laughs> Never. I'd be referencing. I don't know. That just came out of thin air. It's weird. Uh, but other than that, yeah, man, when you're talking about comp picks, just in general, collectively not just the comp picks but maneuvering around the roster not being deathly afraid to be active in the trade market we did this every year for years on end sitting around twiddling our fingers just waiting for some sort of notification to pop up maybe for gary's guy to give us some intel about specific moves that may be made and nothing ever happens we get to the deadline and we pick up you know some vet players that get cut and you know they may make a difference they may come in fizzle out do absolutely nothing at all but talking about those comp picks i think is a huge thing i mean you talked about being a fan of them and creating a cycle of comp picks so like you're talking about gaining early picks and then from there like you develop and repeat the cycle so he has a plan in mind and what this tells me directly is it's all about building out the team long term. He's not thinking um, micro. It's all macro. But he also understands that he wants the team to compete now. He spoke to that also. Um, there really is no vision of having, say, quote unquote, a gap year. He expects to compete this year and moving forward. And they'll be as flexible as they need to with the roster. I mean, that was another takeaway. Take he talked about having flexibility with the roster, which could mean a number of things. But again, if you want to take that literally, that could mean some guys aren't going to be available. Um, some people that you're used to accustomed seeing on the roster, bigger names may actually get shifted around. They may not be on the team anymore, or they may have completely different roles than what you're accustomed to as well. So the comp picks thing is huge because we see it every year. These teams stack these picks, they get these extra um, you know, selections of guys that they can bring in and develop who would of thought that actual player development he spoke to and be contributors to the team and guys they can either keep around or they can look in the future to move for additional assets so everything that he says 
were issues that we talk about every single year that we begged the previous regime to do. And from day one, he's coming in, nailing all those talking points. And I believe him. Uh, he talked a little bit about knowing himself. So again, like being self-aware, he says like, I'm good at personnel. He knows that. And he trusts the experts to do their job elsewhere. So he's going to allow everyone to do their job and they're going to have a cohesive unit. Everyone comes together and they make decisions about the team and the direction that they go together. There's no one lording over them, pulling strings. The football guys are going to be able to do football things. And, you know, if the other people want to take credit for it. Great. Update, you know, your profile on the website and take all the credit. Who the hell cares? We just want to win. Yeah, I, you know, he he talked a lot about draft picks, about accumulating picks and accumulating players. And one of the things that he mentioned in specific, in in particular, I should say, was the phrase every pick matters. He talked about whether it's the fifth pick in the draft or your two seventh round picks, they all have a chance to make the roster and that if they're doing their jobs properly, they should be finding pro bowlers in the fifth round, possibly in the sixth round and beyond. And that all those picks matters and we can't afford to throw them away um, for projects in the middle of the round because we feel like we hit a home run on the first and second round picks. So now let's, you know, take a Craig Megger or a Pipkins or whoever in the third round. We need to make all those picks hit or at least as many of them as we possibly can. And I think that's a huge, um, a, a huge change, a huge shift in how they've been operating because it kind of seemed like they felt like they were doing well enough in the first and second rounds to take those projects and to reach for guys that maybe they could have gotten a little bit later, guys who didn't pan out. And now you've got holes in the middle of your draft and now you don't have depth. So accumulating those picks, accumulating those players and adding the depth and finding the gem, the diamond in the rough, so to speak, I think is something that hopefully we can all look forward to this team finding key contributors in rounds four through seven, whereas in the past, they really haven't done that. And also when you're talking about player retention, um, he mentioned just weighing out both the current and future value of guys. So, you know, just because you're long tenured doesn't necessarily mean you're going to stick around. You've got to be a value to the team again, not just in the short term, but long term. And if they find value in maybe trading someone else, off that's been rather productive and maybe they're aging a bit. He doesn't seem scared to do it. Um, if it benefits the team where it comes in additional personnel via trade or whether it's picks. So again, we've mentioned this before. Uh, you may be looking at some guys who aren't long for the team for another few years. Maybe this past season was their final, but just be prepared and be willing to part with them because it's for the betterment of the team. It's not, it's not going to be anything about tenure. I mean, you know, when you've got guys like Keenan who's still producing at a very high level, there's reason to keep him around. I mean, I don't think they're going to get rid of Keenan for everything that we've heard. Um, we've heard Harbaugh mention his name as a pillar almost every time he steps in front of Mike. Uh, but if they did elect to trade Keenan off for assets, you could probably get pretty decent value from for him based on the production that he's still giving off. I don't want to see him go. If they did, I would have to respect it, though, because I understand the direction that they're looking to move in. Again, this is not me saying that I think they will because I don't. But just using him as an example, they aren't going to be tied to guys just because they're, quote unquote, you know, lifers as chargers. Um, you heard Telesco say that about Keenan in the past few years, and you just believed it because they like Keenan. But also, yes, he is a staple of the organization. But these guys aren't playing by those rules. It's all about winning now. What's going to help them in that way? and what helps them to be successful moving forward. So all great things that we heard in this presser, and I'm just excited to see what the next moves are because we're getting this draft season. Um, I've said this a bunch of times. I'm excited for the fact that now all the players I like seem to fall in line with the same players that Hortiz likes. It's one of the reasons why the Ravens had the tendency to draft some of my favorite guys. And now I don't have to stand on the sideline in admiration. I get to be a part of it and witness it and have it happen for my team. Yeah. You know, I just had another thought and I lost it. Um, I'll come back to it. Um, I, I'm super excited because I think for once we have a general manager and a front office in general who they're, they're looking at maximizing value in players and picks 
in whatever way that might mean. Um, and to your point on Keenan, you know, there's been a lot of talk this off season about who they should, who the team should cut, who they should try to trade, um, who they should extend. I think most of us probably rightly assume they will extend Keenan Allen because he's their best receiver and he's the focal point of the offense and Justin trusts him, right? We, you know, he's going to get open more often than not, and he's going to make plays for you. Having said that, I think to your point, if you're looking at guys on this team who have trade value outside of Justin Herbert, who obviously isn't going anywhere, and you're looking at guys who could give you an opportunity to give you some cap relief, there are really two guys on this roster, in my opinion, who give you an opportunity to trade and get something really good back. And that's Keenan Allen and Khalil Mack. And people are quick to say, no, you can't trade Keenan. But look, and they probably won't. But if you're looking at things in a macro perspective and you're looking over his entire tenure as a charger and you're saying, well, look, Keenan is great. There's no denying that he is great. However, this offense has, and this team as a whole has not produced much in terms of wins and losses and playoff success as it is currently constructed. So is Keenan more valuable to this team on the field as the number one wide receiver? Or is he more valuable to the team in a trade to a team that maybe sees him as the final piece to a Super Bowl t- t- contender? And like I said, I don't, I don't think they're But I think this is something that, that should be looked at. Because if you look at Bosa, he probably doesn't have a lot of value. Yeah, they got a, I believe it was a, a fourth round offer from the Ravens at the trade deadline. They wanted more. It didn't pan out. Um he was starting to play well. Then he got hurt again. He's missed a ton of time. He's due more than $30 million this year against the cap. He's going to be a really tough guy to trade. And I'm not sure what his value is right now, just because of the injuries, you know, you, you start to look for that intersection of uh, availability and ability, and he's just not available. So I don't know what the value is. And I think the same thing can be said for Mike Williams entering the last year of his deal. Bad back bad knees. He's never healthy. He's had, I think, 2000 yard seasons. You could argue he was on his way to a third last year before he got hurt at the end of the year, but either way he's missing time. He's not super productive. He's, I think he's turning 30. How much value does he have in a trade? Whereas Mac is coming off of, you know, a, a defensive player of the year caliber season. And Keenan is one of the, you know, best 15 wide receivers in the league. If not better, those are guys who might return some value and help you reload instead of rebuild a little bit faster. And it'll be interesting to see how they how they handle that. Because I don't I don't think it makes sense to cut a Keenan Allen, and it doesn't make sense to cut a Mac. And I don't think you're going to get much in a trade for for Mike or Joey. So it's just it's going to be interesting to see how those things play out from a value perspective, and how the team, you know, changes the way they view those things moving forward. Um, with a new general manager. Well, yeah, kind of like you mentioned also, as far as value is concerned with a couple of these vet guys, specifically Keenan and Khalil, um, they would probably be great pieces to add to these contending teams who are looking for one or two guys to get them over the hump. Uh, You know, we've got various teams that can use an additional pass catcher, someone who can open up uh, the intermediate portions of the field get open in the slot, uh, you know, make plays that way to set other guys up. Or Khalil could be that missing piece on the edge for a team who, you know, has a decent rotation and needs someone who can come in to be stout uh, against the run, set a solid edge, and also get after the quarterback and, you know, can produce for another couple of years. Um, and they may be willing to give up pretty decent capital to get their hands on that because they're looking to win now. And a lot of those win now teams will give you a bit more than what you would probably get on the open market elsewhere, uh, just because they're looking to make that final push. Uh, like you mentioned, Mike Williams is probably gone anyway, but you're not going to feel much for him in the open market. And also, uh, yeah, Joey's just, there's so much with Joey. It's hard to really understand how the league views him right now, but there isn't enough, solid tape here in the last couple of years outside of just, uh, you know, the injuries, it's just the on field things that he's gotten into and even his reactions to things off the field. I mean, it was that rumor about him 
think he fractured his hand some way, shape, or form after a game. And it just has like the way he carries himself, his general attitude. I mean, you know, he, he, he's a loafer a little bit as far as his personality as just Joey, you know, he's kind of like, you know, he, he's a goofy guy, but other than that, what is he to your team? Is he going to be someone that contributes on the field and also is a leader in your locker room? Or is he someone that if things aren't going great for him is going to be a bit of a cancer. So um hate to give the label to a guy like that because don't know Joey personally, but just seeing how he's performed and uh, what he's put out there just these last few years, I don't think it bodes well for him out there in the rest of the league. And to be honest, maybe a change of scenery helps him overall. Uh, and then again, with everything that is now coming into the building, specifically in the coaching staff, whether we're talking about strength uh, and conditioning and Ben Herbert and all the other things that Harbaugh is bringing in, maybe they think that's something that can help them out and they see the value in keeping him around because he's younger and they think maybe they can keep him healthy. I will tell you this thing, though. Joey has a tendency to want to leave and go do training on his own with his own team. That won't be the case now. Um, that hasn't worked out well for him here in recent years. And now you've got someone who's an all-world strength and conditioning coach coming in um, in Ben Herbert. You might want to be around that facility as much as you uh, possibly can, especially if you plan on sticking around this team. So there are lots of changes on the horizon. And even, you know, before we hopped on here, you know, the pressure happens and then you get a bunch of confirmations in the coaching staff that seem to have all come down the pipe within the last couple of hours. And I think they're pretty much filled out. Yeah, um, all really good points. I, I think um, I think we're in for a really exciting offseason, to be honest with you. I think we're going to see things done in a very, very different way. Um, I think another interesting point is they talked about the structure between Harbaugh and Hortiz. And Harbaugh had referred to Hortiz, uh, you know, he referred to himself as Batman and Hortiz as Robin during the season and then vice versa during the offseason. And Hortiz kind of confirmed that. And I think you know, there was a lot of speculation and, and we did some of the speculating too was, Hey, Harbaugh is going to want full control. And it doesn't sound like either Harbaugh or Hortiz is super worried about credit or control as long as they're winning. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like they're both on the same page. So they're going to be working side by side and it's not going to be so much Hortiz doing what Harbaugh wants. I don't think it just sounds like they're looking to, um, Complement each other, which I'm not really sure is an is a relationship that Telesco had with previous head coaches. I think he was there to kind of do the head coach's bidding, and I'm not sure how much they complemented each other. So that'll be an interesting thing to see. And then the other thing that Hortiz mentioned that stuck out to me, and I, I don't know if you caught this, Craig, he mentioned they were somebody asked him about analytics, and he mm -hmm. made a comment about how analytics are really important, not just during the game but in scouting and the phrase that he used was it helps you cover your blind spots yeah. or it helps you see your blind spots. And he followed it up with something that I thought was really interesting. And he said something to the effect of as a scout, you can have certain traits that you look for at a given position and you can say, this is what I want. This is what I need. And then you can go to the analytics and the analytics can say, no, that's not really what you need. And to me, that's pretty telling because we've talked about this team having very specific prototypes or types of players they look for in certain positions, specifically wide receiver. Hmm. And it kind of seemed to me like he was talking about that a little bit about, hey, we, we're not going to have those biases. We're going to go ahead and we're going to, we're going to take the guys that best fit the roster, whether it's what we've traditionally looked for or not. And that's not the way they've gone about scouting in the past. So that, that to me was really interesting. I think that was a little bit more, it kind of came across as like a throwaway comment, but I think it was a little bit more revealing than most people realize just because of some of the limitations the Chargers have dealt with from a scouting perspective over the last 15 I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. 
Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. Years. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. <laughs> Honestly, it felt like the majority of this presser was speaking to how we're going to do things completely different than what everyone here is accustomed to because that crap doesn't work and we know what does. Uh, when you're talking about the analytics side of things, that says a lot because there's also a balance there. There's a difference between knowing what you're typical, what you've typically done in years past and how that's worked out for you, but also beyond just the eye test, it gives you an extra layer of information that will help you again, create a balance. That way your team isn't leaning in one direction and you're top heavy at one certain position or you're top heavy at a type, should I say. Um, we know what the Chargers have liked traditionally at the wide receiver spot. And yeah, I think they utilized a bit of that in uh, Baltimore here recently when they went after Zay uh, just last season, because that's not their typical wide receiver type. I mean, they haven't been really big on the big wide receivers the way that the Chargers are, but they haven't had like one of those super dynamic wide outs. And it, they added that to the uh, the mix this year, along with some other possession guys, and they created a bit of a balance. So I believe Hortiz like wholeheartedly believes in that. And he's not looking at it as just like, I'm this huge uh, analytics guy, but I think there's a place for it and we're going to use, and we're going to utilize it properly so that we can build out this team to where um, we get the type of guys that work best in the system. And just kind of also speaking to the system, he mentioned uh, that the way the, well, specifically the defense is constructed right now. It reminds him a lot of the Ravens. And I know that he meant more of that 34 scheme um, with three down linemen and your, your two outside stand up edge guys. But we know that there's a whole bunch of base defense that's run right now in the NFL. But it does tell me that he's going to be looking for the type of players that they had in Baltimore to fit a similar scheme here in L.A. And then you have mentor added to the mix. And so they already have a plan going in. This isn't something they're going to figure out on the fly. If you just listen to everything that he says and then you look at the guys that they're bringing in, it all works in concert and it makes perfect sense. And I think it's a great marriage between uh, upper management and having a great understanding about what the team needs moving forward. So they're going to hit the ground running. And I really appreciate that. There's there's not going to be a whole bunch of confusion. These guys have a very singular mindset about what the team needs. They're all on the same page. And I don't think anyone's going to step on anybody's toes. Uh, and again, he mentioned that head coaching and GM relationship and how important that is. Um, I think it might have been Popper that asked him about why they had had so much success in Baltimore. And he mentioned, well, it's because of that relationship between head coach and GM. And the fact that once that relationship is appropriately um, put together, it cascades down to the rest of the organization, you know, through the coaching staff to the players. And then you see the end result, a successful team from top to bottom and everybody's on the same accord. So, again, I think he did a great job today just talking about the vision overall. Uh, I mentioned to you before we even started the pod, I think I liked his presser a bit more than I did Jim's because, uh, you know, you, you mentioned this. Jim didn't really answer a ton of questions. There was a lot of anecdotal stuff going on there and it was cool. But, you know, we got into the meat and potatoes of things today with Hortiz. And again, it's a lot to be excited about, man, uh, you know. There feel it feels like we're beyond the days of having our idea of the way that the team should be and watching all these other teams be very successful and how they build out their organizations. 
and we finally have some people that are coming to the building, the Spanoses have done the right thing and allowed the folks to come into the building to understand what it takes to be a winner. And we are probably going to have, uh, I think we're going to know what that feeling's like here really shortly. I don't think it's going to take very long. And I wouldn't be surprised if this team, like he mentioned, doesn't really have a gap year, but it's super competitive here in year one. Yeah. I, uh, so there's some chatter going on in the, uh, in the group chat here and I'm going to throw up here from Charlie and they have during the show, they've announced that Roman is officially the OC. So thank you, Charlie. Appreciate that. I saw some other people noted, um, mention that too. Uh, appreciate the message and the support as always. So we're talking about Hortiz, but let's talk a little bit about Greg Roman and talk about, our feelings about the hire and what this means for the Chargers offense moving forward. All right. So as far as Greg Roman is concerned, I know that for the last couple of weeks when the name started being floated out there, uh, we weren't overly excited about it because we know that he has a certain style. Now, granted, he is exactly what we've been begging for with regard to developing a solid run game, because if he does nothing else, he's going to run the ball and do it successfully. I don't think he had anything less than a top 10 rushing offense um, during his, uh, any of his uh, OC runs. The problem there is that he's very run dependent and I want to shoot him a little bit of bell here because I think some of that has to do with who his quarterbacks were. Um, granted, you played with a couple guys who were able to use their legs. And so they were very, very run dominant. And the pass game was almost complimentary to the run. But now you have a quarterback that can throw the ball all over the field, uses legs, and you can ask for a better prospect at that position. So I think this will allow Roman to maybe open things up a little bit more. I mean, he's also got a passing game coordinator. So there are guys in place to help him out there. But traditionally, uh, you know, Roman is heavy, heavy run. They essentially ran him out of Baltimore and people wanted nothing more to do with them. But he's got a long history with Jim and Harbaugh trusts him. And again, the one thing the Chargers have not had for years on in is a solid run game. And they have an opportunity here to transform themselves into one of the top rushing teams in the NFL because Roman's going to put his all into scheming that up. Um I like the way that he maneuvers his offense with regards to personnel and I mean, even getting guys in motion. He'll show you one thing a certain way in a certain set and formation, um, and they'll use that play once it's successful. And then later on, he'll build off of that and incorporate some sort of play action shot off of it. But it's kind of the middle ground that I want him to improve on some of those intermediate passes and um, being a little less predictable. You know, when the run works is great, but you can almost bet that he's running the ball to set you up for a deep shot. And I'd like, him to see, I'd like to see him be a little bit more methodical in the passing game at times. But um, again, I know he wasn't our first pick as an OC choice, but I'm going to give him a little bit of uh, a grace here because I think you have to take into consideration what he was surrounded with at his other stops, the types of quarterbacks that he had, and maybe that played into it a bit. So yeah, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. I think, I'm, I'm lukewarm on Roman. Um, I think there are things that he does very well. One of our big gripes for the last couple of years has been that the Chargers never really established an identity in the run game. Um, they ran the ball well against Miami week one this year. Other than that, they really didn't run the ball at all. They really did not run the ball for three years under, under Staley. And it's just seemed like they had a specific way they wanted to run the ball and they were going to run that ball, whether it suited the offensive linemen or not. And they never had any success with it. I think one of the strengths of hiring Roman is that he is going to figure out what works and he's not just going to figure out what works. He's going to spam the fuck out of it until it doesn't <laughs> work. And then he might keep running it a little bit more. Um, but he is going to stick with what works and he's going to hammer people with it. And his running game tends to create chaos and havoc at the line of scrimmage. His offensive lines are, have always been well coached. The Ravens, whether they had a healthy line or not, always are successful running the ball, which tells you 
they teach and they develop their offensive linemen, which is some, which is an area that I think was really hurting the Chargers' run game in the last three years. So I think the Chargers will figure out what works for their offensive linemen. I think they will teach the shit out of it, and I think they will pound the shit out of it until it doesn't work. Those are all positives. I have questions about the passing schemes. I think those are fair questions. But the hiring of, of um, Brady, not Brady. Yeah, yeah Marcus yeah. Brady. Marcus Brady as the passing game coordinator, I think balances some of this out and almost hedges bets. I think if the Chargers are super successful, maybe Roman gets a head coaching gig or he gets hired away somewhere else and they can promote uh, Brady. If they are not successful and they decide that he's not working and he gets fired, they can promote Brady to offensive coordinator. <clears throat> and if Brady gets hired away as an offensive coordinator or as a head coach, we're talking comp picks. So I think they have kind of a a fallback plan or a safety net, so to speak, to fall back on if things don't work out with Roman. But like you mentioned, Harbaugh took the job in large part because of Herbert. So he is enamored with Herbert. You've got to think he's going to want to put Herbert in a position to succeed. They talked about, and this is something that Hortiz talked about today was if you run the ball, if you have a good offensive line and you run the ball, you protect your quarterback. So they want to protect him. They're trying to put a plan in place to protect him. All positives. Um, But I do think Harbaugh is going to want being a former quarterback himself, seeing the talent that he has in Herbert. I do think they're going to want Herbert to throw the ball a little bit more than Roman has traditionally. And I think they will have voices in the room that will help him with that. And if not, it won't work and he'll be gone. So I, I think this to me is almost kind of like the inverse hire of Norv Turner when the Chargers hired him. The Chargers hired Turner to help elevate Rivers game when he was first becoming the starter for the Chargers. And I think this is something similar, even though they don't have a running back in place, they're hiring Roman to elevate the running game, which they feel will in turn elevate Herbert. So if that's the plan, I'm on board. I'm lukewarm with Roman, but I think they've got enough strong, intelligent voices around him and things are going to be taught well enough that it will probably work. And if it doesn't, they have somebody in house who can replace him without having to completely change things around. So fingers crossed it works. It wouldn't have been my first choice, but I, I think no. with Harbaugh's familiarity with Roman, with Brady being on staff, I think there are things that there are safeguards in place that should help them be successful with Herbert throwing the ball and also build up that running game to help keep Herbert upright and protect him. Well, yeah, and therein, therein lies the difference between uh, what Roman's had in the past and what he has now. The difference is you didn't have a QB that you could trust to drop back and throw the ball 30-plus times. Now you have one. You just don't have to do it. But if you need to, he has the ability. Um, previously, again, run heavy because you didn't have that type of quality pocket passer to run those types of offenses and be a little bit more nuanced. And I'm not saying that Roman's offense is super nuanced. There are some things that I think that he does that I like, but like you said before, um, he will run it into the ground until it doesn't anymore. And then there doesn't seem to be much of a plan B once it stops. Uh, Herbert changes the whole equation there. So I think Herbert actually has the opportunity to make him a better offensive coordinator and play caller because the playbook's completely open and you have more options. And as far as the game plan is concerned, you can come out and do whatever you need to for that particular opponent that week. If it requires a little bit more pass than a run, then you have the quarterback that can do that. But there's still going to be a balance. It's never going to lean super heavy pass. If anything, it'll be closer to 50-50, but a little bit more run. And I mean, imagine that the Chargers potentially being more of a running team, but I don't even think it'll be that from week to week. I think more often than not, the game plan is going to fit the opponent, but they always have the option to cram the ball down your throat in the run game. And then when you're talking about in the playoffs, if they have to travel, that sort of offense will do just that travel in any weather. So I think as much as we don't necessarily love the idea of Roman, um, having a quarterback like Herbert helps him immensely. Step into the world of power, loyalty, 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. So we have this comment here, and this is not the only comment he's made to this effect, but MWO says, doesn't have nothing to do with the quarterback. He can't scheme up a passing attack to save his life. Uh, talking about Roman. So I, I do think it's worthwhile to point out that when Roman came on board in Baltimore, Lamar was still at a point where he was very limited as a passer. Huh. When he came out, when he came out of college, Lamar, unless he was on the move, could not throw the ball outside the hashes accurately. He could not throw the ball down the boundaries accurately. He had the arm strength. He had the arm talent, but his footwork was a disaster and if it wasn't happening right in front of him between the hashes, he couldn't see it and he couldn't hit it. So everything they schemed up was to create one-on-one matchups in the middle of the field. And part of the reason the Chargers gave them fits, even though this wasn't Roman calling plays, part of the reason the, the, the Chargers gave the, the Ravens fits in the 2018 playoffs was because they flooded the middle of the field and there was nowhere to throw the ball. So these things, hopefully will evolve because we know Herbert can throw the ball. He can get the ball outside the numbers. He can get the ball to the sidelines. He can access the deep part of the field. Lamar just wasn't there yet. Herbert is there. So I don't think they'll limit Herbert the way they limited Lamar. They just, they had to be really tight with their passing schemes in Baltimore, in my opinion, because of what, what they had to work with when he came out of college, he was just very raw. I mean, it's similar to Kaepernick in that way, right? Because same thing. Um, Colin had a very strong arm, was super athletic, but he was not very accurate as a passer. And also there was no such thing as layering the ball in spots and spaces. Um, he was throwing BBs around a, a bunch and they were taking shots and things of that nature. Um, so again, Roman had to work with the type of quarterbacks that he was given. And I think he did the best with what he had. I'm not absolving him of all blame. I mean, yeah, you still have to be uh, able to scheme up a passing game to help your quarterback be successful. But again, you use the pieces that you're given and you make the most of it. And I think because of what he had under center, he did just that. And this changes the entire complexity of uh, or the complexion of what you're accustomed to from a Greg Roman offense. When you have a quarterback who can throw the ball at every level of the field, who also is mobile, I mean, you won't be depending on him as much to do that because he's not as aggressive a runner as the other guys are. It's not like the basis of his game, but he is way more athletic than people think. Um, You've seen it on occasion. He'll be able to pull that out of his bag of tricks every now and again to keep defenses honest. And when you're talking about man, a man to man defenses and guys running with their backs turned, and sometimes the coverage is going to be in lockstep uh, with the, those uh, passing concepts and guys won't be open, but no one's going to be looking and good luck catching six, six, 240 pounds that runs four, six. Um, he's still going to be able to move the ball in that way. But again, we're talking about a quarterback that is very different than what Greg Roman has been accustomed to. So have to take that into consideration. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, nobody seems really thrilled about the great, about the Greg Roman hire. And I mm-hmm. think to an extent that is fair. Um, but we kind of have to, I think at this point, we've all been pounding the table for Harbaugh for months. Now we got him. I think we have to trust him and give him the opportunity to build out the staff the way he wants to and see how it happens and see how it works out. Um, so we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Is, is he the, is he the end all be all? I, I don't think so. That's why I'm lukewarm on it, but hopefully there are enough voices in the room to help offset some of the struggles that he's had. Well, you mentioned it. Um, they've hedged a little bit with having a passing game coordinator. And uh, if anything that I took away from today's press is the fact that they're going to be very collaborative. Um, so on a week to week basis, they're going to come together and find out what works and what doesn't. And I think that you're going to see a very flexible offense. Uh in particular, when we see what happens with this draft 
and what direction they go in uh, offensively and what type of piece they add to the offense. All of this opens up, uh, you know, a plethora of things and options that they can take advantage of. But we just have to see how they build it out. Um, you can look at some of the past roster construction and kind of get an idea of what they might want to do. But again, I keep going back to this. It's very different when you have this type of quarterback. You're not going to pay what you're paying Justin Herbert to come out and hand the ball off 40 times a game. He's going to throw the ball. If you're going to throw the ball with Herbert, you're going to have to give him some other weapons. And right now, uh, we'll see here in the coming weeks and how things pan out. Some guys aren't going to be around and you're going to have to restock that how they do it, whether it be, um, you know, they're going to maneuver the cap, however they do it, whether it be through free agency or through the draft, probably going to be both. Uh, he's going to be slinging the ball around. It's probably going to be to a couple of new weapons, but I trust Jim because there's no reason not to do it. He's one at every level. And until he gives me reason not to believe I'm not going to doubt him. Well said. We're going to start to wrap up here pretty soon. I've got one more super sticker comment, and then we'll take a couple more questions, and we'll get out of here. So um, HMS Verdun says, Harbaugh with luck was run the ball, but be efficient and take shots when it when it's on and passing. I can totally see that with Herbert. Pass 30 to 35-ish times a game, but get big, get big chunk plays. I think that's probably the mold they're looking for. Pound the ball, run the ball between the tackles, be physical, wear the defense down, take shots when the situation calls for it, pick up chunk plays. I mean, we've been watching Herbert throw the ball 40 to 50 times a game almost every week for a while now. So I think putting him in a situation where he can be efficient and effective throwing the ball, you know, 30 times a game, mm. you're just, you're extending his, I think you're extending his shelf life and you're yeah. helping him with his durability issues, reducing the number of opportunities teams have to hit him, um, reducing the number of dropbacks. I mean, I think all of this ties together and it's, it's about, we all want Herbert to throw the ball, but at the end of the day, it's about marrying the run in the past. Like we heard about for the last three years, but never happened. I think that's what the goal is here. Yeah. Um, I agree. I've, uh, again, totally in total agreement. I think as far as the offense is concerned, there's going to be a, a definite uptick in the balance there. Uh, Herbert's been asked to do way too much here in years past. It's essentially, and we mention this all the time, very little, little margin for error. Those days are over. Um, there's going to be a solid run game. We don't know who the running back is going to be. We shall see, but we can guarantee that uh, this is going to be a different identity for this offense. So, uh, just looking forward to what's to come. I keep seeing comments similar to this. So I'm going to throw this up here and we can talk about it. Um, Brock Bowers is, is a near lock. If the bolts stay at five, Jim uses his tight ends a ton. And that's Roman's favorite position to scheme his pass game. Um, I actually, I would not be surprised if they trade back mm-hmm. uh, with as much as, Ortiz talked about hoarding picks and players and finding value. I could totally see them trading back into the early teens. And I think somebody like Bowers might be more likely, assuming he's on the board, if they trade back. I have a feeling we're probably looking at a trench pick of some sort if they stay at five. Um, Offensive lineman, possibly an edge player with, you know, with Mac and Bosa up in the air. Um, I, I don't know. I haven't studied Bowers yet. I, I know he's a good player. I've seen highlights of him. I'm not going to comment on whether I think he's he's worth worthy of a, of, a, of a top five pick. Probably not the way I would like to see them go in general with a tight end. Um, and I think we overuse the generational tag with players way too much lately. Um, but I, I have a feeling we might be leaning towards a trench player in the top five. Just a hunch. But what do you think, Craig? I get where everyone's going with this, um, with Harbaugh and the way that he loves his tight ends. I mean, you can look at Bowers and think about Vernon Davis from the 49er days. I get that. They're, I think, similar size, uh, around 6'3", 6'4", 240-ish. We'll see what the officials are for uh, Bowers um, when the combine comes up. And, yeah, Harbaugh recruited tight ends quite heavily. Typically, the tight ends are like his top two or three receiving targets um, options in his offenses. Um, as far as the trench pick is concerned, 
just kind of starting to look into the uh, offensive line class, particularly the tackles, it's kind of deep this year. And when you look at it from a developmental perspective, uh, I mean, honestly, I think they may keep Pipkins around just to see how it works out this year and may not have to uh, use high draft capital on a tackle per se. They can bring in a guy who they can work in year one. I mean, if he doesn't have to see the field great and they can develop them, and you would think with this new uh, coaching staff of guys who know what they're doing, they can get a young kid um, maybe in the second or third round that they can, you know, have ready to go um, in a year or so and use that pick elsewhere. Uh, There are, Different positions in this draft that I think work out really well in their favor. Um, the trenches being one at tackle. And I mean, we'll get to all of this when we start doing our breakdowns. Um, there are some really nice receiving options as well. So you don't have to go as high as you would think. Tight ends a little different because you know, there's like one guy in the top tier of tight ends, and then there's just like, you know, a significant drop off. But there are other guys that can play. And what you've also seen here in the past is they spend a pretty decent amount of capital on tight ends. They'll double dip there. Uh, So they may not find it necessary to go with a Bowers in like the top five. Uh, If they do trade back and they find themselves with an additional pick and say they stay within the top 10, they could still go the Bowers route there as well. But if we're talking about trenches, technically, if you're, you know, speaking to tight ends, you could, kind of sort of look at that as a trench pick, especially if it's a guy that you can line up as a traditional Y and then move him around. You can do a little bit of that with Bowers. He's not a traditional Y tight end, but he, he blocks his behind off. He definitely gives the effort. Size is a little, uh, a bit of a question. But uh, I think if they go trenches early, I wouldn't be shocked. But with the depth that I've seen here at the tackle position, I think they could wait on it. We shall see. I think um, you could make that argument for tight end. I think you could make that argument for tackle. I think in this class, you could make that argument for edge, to be honest with you. Um, I would love for them to get neighbors at five if they stay there. I think that's the dream. I don't know that it happens, but I think that's the dream. Um, He would do so much for this passing game and be such a great compliment for Keenan. And he'd probably make QJ better too um, by taking some pressure off of him. So... (laughs) That would be amazing. Will it happen? We'll see. Um, I had to put this up just because it made me chuckle. <laughs> Kahan likes Guyton on the offensive line. Oh, uh, well, no, no. There's there's a, uh, there's a Guyton. Oh, right I thought she was that. talking about Jalen no, Guyton. No, no. Oh. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, with the weight Buddy put on after he came back from that injury, he was looking a little offensive line-ish, but Nah, uh, it was Guyton's the tackle from Oklahoma, I believe. Um, so he's another guy, but he, after his senior bowl, looks like his stock's climbing a bit. Um, he's one of those guys that if you trade it back, you could probably still get in the top 15 and pick up an extra pick. But again, we'll get to that come draft time. I My my, my brain immediately went to dad bod Guyton. That's okay. <laughs> I mean, we've been terrorized by this for a couple of years now, so it's just one of those things. It's going to take a little while to get accustomed to it. Uh, let's see. Is there anything else? Um, looking for another comment. Oh, Man, I, saw, I saw somebody say that Herbert ran a four seven in the combine. Now he ran four six. I think it was a high four six, if I'm not mistaken. He was faster than four seven, though. I don't remember. I don't. I usually don't pay much attention to quarterback forties at the at mm-hmm. the combine. Uh, Richie Farley says, curious on the thoughts with Jesse Minter. So what are your thoughts on Jesse Minter, Craig? Oh, boy. The beauty of what Jesse Minter is doing, what he did, is that he took a defense that worked in the NFL. He brought it to Michigan. So this isn't some transition from a guy who's going to try to make his defense that might have been, you know, gimmicky in college coming to the NFL and see if it'll produce. This is a guy who worked with, uh, you know, Mike McDonald and, John Harbaugh, and he took that defense and applied it. Like Jim sought out that help in order to build up a defense to stop the Ohio States of the world because he couldn't beat them for a few years, well, for years on end. Uh, That defense is going to fly in the NFL. And what I really like about it is the fact that it's not very, very complex, honestly, when you look at it um, from, you know, the front to back. 
it's going to allow players like Derwin to be very successful because he's going to be put in positions to play at, um, you know, optimally. He's going to be able to perform the way that you've seen him. Well, you know, let's just assume health or the injuries from the past haven't taken away the athleticism. Um, he's going to be able to show you a little bit more of what you saw in those first few years He and be that guy all over again. Mentor's going to see that that happens, but they're also going to give him help around uh, on the perimeter as well. Um, he likes corners that can come up and hit. So no more of that Mike Davis nonsense that you were used to seeing where, you know, guys were ankle biting and whiffing in the open field. Uh, they're very disciplined. Uh, they're elite open field tackles uh, that are made. And I think that's, again, going to translate over because they're going to stress the fundamentals and guys are going to be able to play fast and free. They're going to reduce the amount of thinking that they have to do at every level of the defense. And they're going to instill a different type of mentality. And if you're not going to be able to, or if you're not going to want to come up and get your nose dirty in the run game, then you're not going to see the field. Um, and again, this all starts from where uh, Hortiz mentioned earlier. It permeates, starts with the head coach, general manager, and that attitude trickles all the way down. So mentor is going to come in, implement that defense, and it should be very successful uh, pretty early on. And I think they're going to get the uh, requisite pieces to ensure that that happens. And to be completely honest with you, there are some guys, and we keep alluding to draft picks. I know it's I've started my process already, so it's in my head, that fit this type of defense to a T. And you don't necessarily have to look for them in the first and second round. If you can get a couple of them around there, great. But there are some high-quality players that suit this defense, not just from Michigan, um, in like your middle rounds. So this is a really good draft to need the type of players to run that scheme. Uh they're going to let these players play fast and be aggressive and come downhill and make plays. And you better not get stuck behind the chains, behind mm. the sticks on these guys, or they're going to come after you with a reckless abandon. So they're going to blitz. They're going to attack. They're going to come after the quarterback. Um, I think it's the kind of defense the Chargers need just from a standpoint of, I think this is going to be kind of a thin year in terms of defensive talent and, and, um, personnel on the Chargers roster just because of some of the guys they're going to have to say goodbye to and it's going to simplify things and I think they can kind of mask some deficiencies and plug some holes and hide some gaps um, just by being aggressive and playing loose and free instead of having to think about what rules they have to follow if somebody shifts from the left to the right or you know there's a stack a three a three wide receiver bunch on the left side or whatever it might be um, they're just going to play and they're going to attack. So they should be fun to watch. It should make things easier on the guys. And hopefully, like you said, they're going to stress the fundamentals and they're going to tackle and they're going to be physical and they're not going to be soft anymore. I, I just, I just need to see some decent open field tackling. I mean, just get some guys in there that are willing to, uh, again, hit somebody, man. It's just, nothing's been more frustrating about this defense in the past I mean, they're already known for being finesse, but on the defensive side of the ball, eh, offenses didn't fear them. Um, you're talking about guys taking really poor angles and not being aggressive or being overly aggressive and, you know, not seeing what they hit, ducking their heads, diving at ankles. It's all been really embarrassing. And again, this regime's not going to stand for that. Uh, I really can't wait to see this defense in action. Um, they're going to definitely have to plug some holes uh, with some guys that may not be of the, um, most upper tier of talent, but when you're structurally sound and, um, you know, you do things as you're coached and, uh, they get that type of repetition in and that type of discipline that's going to be instilled, it's going to kind of be the great equalizer. It's going to help out where uh, you're lacking on the athleticism side of things, uh, on your defense. So look for them to be, uh, again, very well put together make fewer mistakes and it's going to pay off in the long run. And they'll be able to kind of cover some of those defensive blemishes with guys who may not be, you know, the uh, highest level of athlete. All right, guys. Well, we appreciate you joining us, Craig. Thanks for joining me tonight. Yeah. Um, hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, as a reminder, we'll be back on right here tomorrow at five 30 talking about chargers, defensive free agents. Or I can just save you some time and say, get rid of all of them. They all suck. <laughs> um, <laughs> but 
Join us at 5.30 Pacific tomorrow. Live again, we'll be talking about Chargers free agents. We'll get into some cuts and probably kind of talk about some um, surface-level restructures and uh, extensions uh, for the Chargers to save some cap space. And then later in the week, probably Friday, uh, maybe Saturday, I'm going to put out a solo pod going in depth on structures and uh, extensions. So thanks everybody for joining us. Hope you have a great night. Hope you enjoyed the show. We'll see you back here tomorrow at 530. Salute.